Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. And basketball is almost back. It seems like it's been so long since we've seen this team in action for the Thunder. So let's take a trip down memory lane and recap what was the season prior to the coronavirus delay and what we can look forward to coming up once we get to Orlando with our guest today, beat writer for DailyThunder.com, Brandon Rabar. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the show, buddy. So, Brandon, when did you start covering the team? I know that you were a beat writer, you know, for the team this year. When did you start coming around this team? Man, I've been around since the beginning in, in different ways, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I, I started uh, as a beat writer this season for DailyThunder.com. Uh, before that, I covered the uh, team for the Bethany Tribune, which is the uh, newspaper out of Bethany. I had done some freelance writing about the team for the Edmund Sun. Um, and then I, you know, I did some blogging. I wrote for Thunder Nation. I wrote for Up the Thunder. I wrote for Daily Thunder back when Royce was young, uh, Royce Young was running it back in the day. He asked me to be a writer, so I came on and did some writing for him. So in various forms in different ways throughout the years, I've been covering the team for a while, but this is the first time I've been like a beat writer and, and covered it, you know, daily and, and gone to every game and reported on every game and that kind of thing. So it's been a really fun experience, man. Yeah, what has that been like, just being boots on the ground every single game, having people, you know, just follow along with your Twitter account and getting information from you? How has that experience been for you? I got to be, it's been kind of surreal to be, to be honest, because, you know, I, it's fun to do it for dailythunder.com. And here's why, because I still get to be a fan. Like I'm a media member and I get, mm-hmm. you know, all the media access. I get to go to all the you know, the locker room access, the press conferences, well, if they're going to do locker rooms anymore, we'll see. <laughs> uh, so I get, I get treated as, as media by the thunder. And, and like you said, people follow me and things like that. So that's been really cool. But because it's dailythunder.com and when Roy Young started daily thunder, the idea was that this was going to be kind of a, a media, um, you know, handle it professionally like the media, but with a fan's perspective, So I get kind of the best of both worlds. And so, you know, whereas a lot of media people, they have to be kind of like unbiased or they have to be, you know, a little bit more professional. I kind of skirt the line of like, I've got the inside scoop and, and, you know, I'm, I'm giving out information, but I can, you know, (laughs) I can slam Dame or make fun of the Rockets or kind of be more of a Homer uh, that kind of deal. So, so I get to do both. And that part of it has been really, really cool and kind of a different fun experience. Yeah. I think that that's kind of the best style. It's like what we do on locked on here. I mean, you know, once we get basketball back and like I said, if we are able to have access, I'll be there with you and we'll, you know, sit up there in in the, in the press row and discuss all these games and whatnot, but we can still be fans for our respective, you know, websites and podcasts while being a media member and, and being unbiased and obviously not going to the extreme, but they don't take away that fandom from you. And I think that that's what makes the content so enjoyable is that it's, it's a, like you said, a professional kind of fan, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. And, and yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's fun. I try to put out good content, fun content um, that, you know, I've been a fan since the beginning, but I've also covered the team. So I've done both. And so I kind of, I feel like I have a fan's perspective with like a media's access. So um, I kind of try to put out content that I, as a fan, would would enjoy. And you host the Daily Thunder podcast. And tell us about that real quick. 
Yeah, that's been a really cool thing too. You know, I used to host a podcast called Mr. Presti's Neighborhood and mm -hmm. it started out, um, you know, again, Roy Young was running Daily Thunder and they needed uh, the people that, that went to Daily Thunder, the community, the people in the comment section, they wanted a podcast. So they knew that I used to do radio. Um, and so they asked me if I would host a podcast. So I started, I just kind of created this podcast. It kind of sprang up out of that. And then when I became the beat writer this year, I was like, you know, I, I want to revive a podcast. So, you know, it's kind of the same format, uh, try to have some fun on it. Uh, you know, and it's cool because again, we get all these cool writers and analysts and players and things like that on the show, but we get to have fun with it and kind of still be fans. So kind of the same as my Twitter and, and, and daily thunder content, but podcast form. Yeah. It's been awesome listening to that show and let's get into this season. Cause it does feel like it was so long ago and who better talk about this than you, who's been on the ground this entire season. Let's just go all the way back though, to the prior to the season, Russell Westbrook gets traded. Paul George gets traded. ESPN gives them a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs. What did you expect to happen with this Chris Paul team? And then what did you actually want to have happen? So did you expect this team to be where they are right now, but you wanted them to tank? Or what was your feeling coming into this year? That's a great question. I, and I was kind of straddling the fence. I thought that this team had talent. I knew that between Chris Paul Shea, Gallo, Schroeder, Adams, Noel, this team has some good top-end talent. But I thought that Presti would, would look to flip a lot of that talent, whether it be immediately at the beginning of the season, before the season even started, or at the trade deadline. I thought that um, he would try to get more assets for the future because it was obvious with the moves that happened over the summer. It was all about the future for the Thunder, the draft picks, the young players, and building around Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So I thought if they kept this team, they, they might fight for the, the eight seed. I never expected them to be this good. And I don't think that even Sam Presti thought this team would be this good. Every player has, has kind of overachieved. And, and I, I shouldn't say overachieved. They've played to the maximum of their ability, which is incredible. That's a testament to the players, to the coaching, to the organization. And, uh, and I think because this team has played so well, Sam Presti, the, the trade deadline comes along and it's like, man, you know, if I get blown away by an offer, obviously he would take it, but I don't think he got blown away. So he's like, let's just ride this out and see what this team can do. And that's what I wanted. Uh, as a fan, I wanted to see what this team that surprised everybody along the way could do. Surprised me. I thought they'd fight for an AC and here they are. They were, if they could have played that, you know, Utah game on the COVID-19 night, I feel like they would have taken the four seed and had home court advantage for the playoffs. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah, so for me, I, th I thought that if this team stayed together, like you said, it'd be eight, nine seed. And that's where I was like, I mean, do you really want to keep this team then if that's what they can do is eight or nine seed? Or would you rather try to make some trades and fall back and try to get a higher draft pick, of course. But I like what you said there about overachieving. And I know that you kind of backed off that phrase, but I think it's correct. I mean, it's not a knock on these players, but it's the fact that the players are talented. But whenever you go into a season, how often does every single player on your roster play up to their maximum ability? You know, you get Gallo playing up to his maximum ability, Chris Paul. I mean, how often does that happen? So in a way, overachieving is right with this team. 
Yeah, they really have. And it's been, it's been really incredible to watch. And I think that's what's so fun about this team. There's no expectations. Nobody expected them to do anything. And here they were fighting for home court. And it's because these guys and the chemistry is so good. They make each other better. Um, and Chris Paul went back to all-star form. He hadn't been at this level in a few years. He's been healthy all year, which he hasn't been in a long time. Uh, Shea took a leap, uh, you know, Adams is playing better than he's ever played. Schroeder has played out of his mind. Whereas the last couple of years, if, if Russell Westbrook and Paul George would have got this version of Schroeder, they might've been able to make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it really is a testament to the hard work and the chemistry of these guys and the coaching that, that they've really, you know, played to the absolute best of their abilities. If you want to perform at the best of your abilities, try a Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off that first order. Built Bar is phenomenal. You're going to want to try Built Bar. Anything that says peanut butter, just go ahead, put it in your cart, go ahead and buy that Built Bar. I also love the banana nut bread, but the 100% chocolate covering the outside is just amazing. Go to billboard.com, use promo code locked on, get $10 off that first order. It is low carb, low sugar, low calories, but high in protein. Great for pre workout or post workout. Everything you need in a protein bar, all wrapped up into one built bar. It's easy to get down, it tastes phenomenal. Billboard.com, use promo code locked on, save $10 from your first order. I also want to tell you about our good friends over at Blankist. Blinkist is one of the most useful apps on my phone. It's very unique. It works on your phone, your desktop, or your tablet. Blinkist takes the best and key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and allows you to listen to them or read them in just 15 minutes. I throw Blinkist on while I'm getting some work done at my desk and I want to get some new information. In this climate, it's so important to branch out and learn new things and see the world in a different perspective. Nonfiction books can do that for you at Blinkist. With Blinkist, get unlimited access to read or listen to thousands, a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you'll ever want right here for one low price at Blinkist.com. Right now for a limited time, our audience gets a special offer. For just our audience, go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it for free for seven days, and then save 25% off your subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash NBA to start your first seven days free and save 25% off your subscription. Promo code NBA at Blinkist.com for an amazing deal on nonfiction books. And you mentioned the coaching. What's What did you think of Billy Donovan again after those trades were done, after last season wraps up against Portland? What did you think about Billy Donovan back then? I feel like Billy Donovan's always been kind of tough to peg down, whether he's a good coach, an average coach, or a bad coach, because we've kind of seen the ups and downs, but it was hard to gauge based on, you know, the teams that he's had have changed every single year. So I thought that coming into this season, you got to look at what's happened the most recently. And what happened most recently was two first round exits to teams that most people felt like they should have beat the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trailblazers. And they were both fairly short series compared to what, you know, you thought they could have been. And so you got to say that was a disappointment. Now, was that on Donovan? Was that on uh, talent? Was that on uh, the superstars? Was that on injuries? It's, it's probably all of the above. But I think that after this season, so I'd say going into the season, he was a question mark with 
skepticism, right? Like, okay, we don't really know what he's been able to do, but it hasn't looked good lately. This might be his last season. It's the last season of his contract. This is going to be a bad season. This, he's probably done. And you see what happens when, and this is no knock on, on Russ because I love Russ, but this team was just really young and coachable. They had one star that everybody knows is the guy, but he's willing to spread the wealth and, and everybody just shared the ball. And I think you kind of finally get to see what Donovan's coaching can be like if he's got a team of impressionable guys that'll follow his lead instead of, you know, kind of superstars that were kind of ingrained since the Scott Brooks days of, hey, you guys just go do what you do. Yeah, that, that was my biggest thing coming into this year. I, I wasn't ready to just outright fire him because I didn't really see the good in that. But I knew that if he got a bunch of guys that could run his system that he ran in Florida, that system translates to the NBA. And what you said was correct. We're seeing guys like Chris Paul who are willing to just adapt into the system and not just want to freelance or ISO ball or things like that. And I think that it's paid off in huge dividends. And I think that that's why a lot of people have a much better perception of Billy Donovan right now, as we stand, as we stand today, what would you think of Billy Donovan? Would you, want to resign him to a long-term deal? Do you think he's the guy for this rebuild uh, or do you think something else about him? I would, I would resign him. And, I, and I'm surprised if, if you would have asked me over the summer last year, I would have said no way that that's going to happen. But, but based on how this team has played, I mean, he's going to come in second and, and coach of the year, no doubt. Nick nurse is going to come in first and Donovan's going to come in second and deservedly so for both of them. And I, but, but I think you got to stick with him. I mean, look how well Shea's played underneath him. And Shea's the most important piece going forward. Whatever happens with this team, whether they trade off pieces over the offseason, who comes back, who doesn't come back, the main piece moving forward is Shea. And Shea has excelled. And could he excel under every coach? Probably, maybe. But we know he's excelled under Donovan. So why switch that up? Uh, yeah, I would, I would re-sign Donovan. I really would. I would as well. I don't know if they're going to allow him to test free agency the same way that Scott Brooks tested free agency before. And there was rumors about, if you remember, Portland was in the mix for him. But I think ultimately he should be the coach whenever we get this next season started in December or whatever time that we get basketball back. Because you're right, he's so good with Shea and these young guys and developing guys. You even see guys that are no longer here. Jeremy Grant developed so well in Oklahoma City. I think that he fits perfectly, even if it's just a three-year window and maybe by the time that you want to actually go try to win a championship, maybe you need a new voice in there. But for this period of rebuilding, developing, and growing, I love Billy Donovan as head coach of the Thunder. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm the exact same way. And, and it's all about the future and young guys. And so far, he's had one season where he's kind of had young, impressionable guys, and it's gone really, really well so far. Obviously, Paul's leadership, Gallo, there's, there's bets on the team for sure. But uh, what we know of Donovan and this team so far, I want to see that, see more of that going forward. And you mentioned Shea, and I feel like it's almost a sin that we haven't really dove into Shea yet. Uh, you know, it's taking us this long to get to him. But, you know, just you sit back and you got to be around him every day. And I was observing him every day, you know, either at the game or on TV and now being in this world here. What? What do you think is his ceiling for Shea? I think that, honestly, I think that All-Star is kind of what he's at right now. If he wasn't a second-year player, maybe he gets a little bit more recognition for that. But I think in the next two, two years, he'll be an All-Star. Can he go much past that? Or am I way off base and he's not even at the All-Star all -star level yet? No, I think he is at the All-Star level because if you look at 
Shay's numbers and Donovan Mitchell's numbers, there's not much of a difference there whatsoever. I mean, they're, they are pretty, pretty close when you look at efficiency and, and, and like total raw numbers. They're pretty close, um, especially if you look at Donovan Mitchell right now as, as the number one guy for his team and Shea's the number two guy for him. I mean, Shea's the number one scorer, but it, it's also evenly distributed between Shea, Gallo, Schroeder, and Chris Paul as far as scoring goes, whereas Donovan Mitchell gets to be the guy. But I think they're a great comparison. Anyways, Mitchell's already an all-star. He made the all-star game this year. And Shea's not too far below him, or you could say he's equal with him right now. Um, so, yeah, and I, Shea's 21 years old, and he's 6'6". His, his length and wingspan are incredible, and he's learning under Chris Paul. He took a huge leap from year one, which was already a great rookie season. He took a big leap, and he's going to get more responsibility moving forward. Eventually, Chris Paul's going to be gone, whether it be via trade or retirement. Eventually the reins will be handed over to Shea. When that happens, you'll see a big bump in those numbers as far as scoring goes, as far as assists goes. And I think that's the next thing for him as far as playmaking. Right now, is he a point guard? Yes, but he's kind of playing the two and the three as much as he's playing the one because Paul and Schroeder are there. But as you see more responsibility goes to Shea, I think he'll step up to the challenge. And so his stealing, I don't think we've seen it yet. 21 years old, I think that he'll be an all-star could he be a top – I think that he'll top out maybe around – I think that he'll be around a top 10 player at some point in his career. Like when they're making the list, you'll see him around, you know, the 10 spot, the 12 spot, things like that. And, I mean, that's incredible when you see what you got for Paul George, that and all those picks. So I've said on this podcast, and I've talked to you about it on Twitter before, I think that Shea is the perfect – building block for a team and you can use whatever words you want to hear with the re rebuild reload replenish whatever fits your comfort level but I think that Shea's the perfect guy to build around because I struggle to find somebody in the NBA that I would feel uncomfortable with him being next to Shea I think that Shea can fit the mold of any good player that you want to put around him and he can play well off of him or with him unlike in other areas of this team before where how does this person fit with Russ or how does this person fit with this guy? I think with Shea, you bring in the best possible talent and he will just adapt to it and be phenomenal. Am I off base there? No, you're absolutely right because he can play the one, two, or three. So his position versatility is, is incredible. When you can play three positions and play them well, he's either a, a really big guard, a point guard at 6'6", six, six, or, you know, he's, he's a smaller, small forward, but in this, you know, world of small ball, that's completely fine. Um, and like you said, he doesn't have to have the ball to score and to impact the game. But if you put the ball in his hands, he's going to excel as well. He can play both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively. There's nothing that he's bad at. You know what I'm saying? Like, so mm -hmm. you can slide him with any player, with any team, and he'll find a role and and do really well in that role. I, I really do think that his versatility, both physically and skill-wise, are, are exactly what you want. The only thing that you could say right now is his top-tier elite level. Is, is he ever going to be uh, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James? Uh, obviously, LeBron sounds crazy. Uh, but, I mean, that, like – level one, like top three player in the NBA guy at some point in his career that, you know, there's doubts there just because 
he doesn't seem like a special talent, but he seems like he can be that tier two, tier two guy right below those guys. Um, you know, cause usually those guys are like guys that score 30 points a game, you know, or they average triple doubles and things like that. But I, I also wouldn't want to say he can't be that because he's 21 and what he's done so far has been ridiculous. And he's got the, the physical tools to be whatever he wants to be. And even look at last year, how, how much he played for the Clippers team and how good he was defensively against that Warriors team. I think that the future is bright with Shea, honestly. Yeah, it really is. He's, he's, he's fast tracked the Thunder's rebuild. What the Thunder are doing is incredible because they're going to be a four or five seed this season and they're supposed to be rebuilding and he gives them a head start on that. No matter what happens this season and, and going forward, you have Shea and all those draft picks. So your future is set up, but you're also competitive right now. And Shea is a big reason why as well. I mean, it's, it's the Thunder kind of like cheated the system where, where they're, they're playing competitive ball and they're one of the top 10 tens in the NBA and they're supposedly rebuilding. It's, it's phenomenal. And he gives you that flexibility to really, you can cash in those picks in, in the trade market. You can use those picks. And with those picks, you can simply take the best player available. You don't have to, you know, fit around his position. So if there's a great point guard, go ahead and take the point guard. Shea, like you said, can play two or the three. If there's a great small forward, take them and, and Shea can move to one. So there's, he's just such a great player. And we have to just fawn all over him on this podcast whenever we're talking about this season and the future. Yeah. I mean, he's, He's the most exciting thing about this Thunder team. I mean, Chris Paul's the all-star. Steven Adams is the guy that everybody has, you know, been in love with for years and years. He's the, he's the funny guy. Everybody loves him. And then Gallo's been exciting. Schroeder's going to win sixth man of the year. Dort, you know, everybody's down to Dort. But when it comes down to it, uh, Shea is the guy that you build around, and he's the reason to be optimistic and excited about the next 10 years as a Thunder fan. So who's been the biggest surprise this season for you? Schroeder, hands down. I mean, uh, Schroeder's always had ability. Schroeder's always been able to score, but hasn't always been efficiently. He has scored so efficiently this year. And the last couple of years, he's been a negative on the defensive side of the ball. His three-point shooting has been better than it ever has in his career this year. He's, he's close to 40%. Um, his his defense when you look at you know the advanced stats he's been one of the best defenders in the league this year and he's just he's been clutch he's legitimately been the best six man of the year this year over over harrell over lou williams over i mean anybody that you want to say he's been the best and and again i i think he's been a, a solid player and a good backup the last couple of years but he's been just off the charts this year. Uh, but I got to give a shout out to Dort, though, too. I mean, who could have seen an undrafted rookie going from, you know, the G League to starting on a playoff team? So, I mean, I guess we'll say uh, number one A and number one B, Schroeder and Dort. Yeah, for Dort, I was excited about the signing because he was a guy that was projected to go maybe even late first round and just had this monumental slip and collapse. Uh, so yep. I was excited about him. I never expected it to be what it, what it turned into, especially in year one. So, so Dort was exciting for me, but you're right. Dennis Schroeder, the fact that he's really turned it on this year. And as you mentioned, I think that if you don't say he's the sixth man of the year, and this is from two Thunder fans, so it might not mean the most, but I think that 
it just really shows who's been watching basketball this year and who hasn't. If you're still voting for Lou Williams or anyone on that Clippers team and not Dennis, then it just shows what you've been watching this season and, and what you haven't been watching this season. I think that Dennis has been awesome. And importantly for the Thunder moving forward, he's an expiring contract. You can trade him. He's increased that value for teams as, as teams get into the playoffs and maybe lose a round where they shouldn't have and get desperate. Maybe they want to trade for Dennis. And it gives you such flexibility when you see all of these guys perform so well. Yeah, Schroeder's a, a win-win. You keep him. Hey, he's 26 years old. He's young enough to still be a guy that can stick around for the rebuild. But you trade him. And all of a sudden, one year left on his deal, $15 million. This offseason's free agency pool just sucks, to be quite honest. And mm-hmm. so what Dennis Schroeder has done this season for his trade value has been immense. His contract actually looks like a bargain now, and nobody could have seen that coming. There are a lot of teams that would love to have either Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench or starting for a playoff team, for a contender. He can be a difference maker. There's so many teams that would love to offload $15 million of bad contracts, get Dennis Schroeder, send off a first-round draft pick for him, um, and maybe a young player. I mean, they're not going to be able to find anybody better than him in the free agency pool this season. Um, I mean, his his trade value, I think he's the best trade piece they have right now. Just because Chris Paul's contract is so large, Steven Adams – um, is $25 million, which isn't terrible for him. Um, and then Gallo is a sign-and-trade guy. Noel is a free agent, possible sign-and-trade guy. So if you look at who's got the best trade value, it's Dennis Schroeder. And you mentioned the, the free agency pool, and especially at his price point, you're not going to get somebody like that that can come in and impact your roster right away. And for some teams, can try to get you over that hump and make you a title contender. So – He's an awesome trade piece, and I think that you're right. He has the most trade value just straight up. Yeah, he really does. For $15 million on an expiring contract, a guy that can score 20 points a game, who can uh, – he's the playmaker. And what he's done defensively this year, he's been a crucial part of this team's success. The Thunder have the best three-man lineup in the league. It's, it's the three-point guard lineup, Schroeder, Shea, and Paul. The Thunder have one of the best five-man lineups. Schroeder is in that lineup. Any advanced stats you want to look at, Schroeder has been phenomenal this year, and there's plenty of GMs that would give up, you know, a first-round draft pick, I think, to, to get Dennis Schroeder this offseason. I truly believe that. And we talked about Lou Dort briefly, and I never bought into Deontay Burton, and he was kind of the first gimmicky two-way guy that, that fans really just fell all over. I never bought into that stock, but I was all in on Dort whenever they signed him after the draft and after summer league and, and early on. I never expected it to turn into what it has these last 21 games, but he's still been a, a, long, a, a key piece in this year, and I think that he's going to be a long-term at least role player for this team with his defensive you know, attributes and what he can do defensively. He only shoots 30% from three right now, but his free throw percentage is 77%, which a lot of people view that as indicative of what you can turn into from beyond the arc. I have him as a, as a key role player, maybe not a starter like he is right now, but as a key role player for the future. Where do you peg Dort right now for this team moving forward? Yeah, I think that you, I think that you're right on with your assessment. Uh, I think that he can become a really good defender. He's, he's already, you know, clamping down James Harden, Dame, all those guys. He's taking on the other team's best scorer every single night, uh, which as an undrafted rookie is just ridiculous. His body is just 
NBA ready, even as a rookie, and he's only going to get stronger and, and become a better defender. So I think that he can become a great defender in this league if he's not already. Um, you know, his shooting will improve. And honestly, even though 30% doesn't sound that great and it's below league average, obviously, that was his biggest negative in college and coming into the draft. That was the reason he slipped because so much emphasis is putting is being put on shooting. So to already be shooting 30% from three, and then like you said, 77% from the line, that's not terrible. There's something to work with there. And his form doesn't look that bad. His release, his mechanics, I think that he can become a better shooter. And if he becomes a better shooter, he's already willing to attack the rim. He's aggressive on the boards. I think that he had become, like you said, a very solid role player, maybe like a, oh, I, I don't want to make comparisons, but you know, Tony Allen with a better jump shot, maybe not quite a great as defender, but that kind of role, like an important role player on a, on a good team. I totally agree with that. I, I think that he's not going to be a Deontay Burton where you get really excited about him. Then it like last half a season. I think that he is going to be someone that can translate long-term, uh, but I don't think it's in that starter role, but it's still something to be very excited about for a guy you got after the draft was over. And so think about what Presti can do with these 15 future first round picks. Yeah, that's the thing. I agree. Um, if we're being completely honest, I don't think that that Burton or Diallo or Nader, even even though Nader's shown a lot of signs this year on, on the offensive end and he's improved. I think that the guys that you look to for the thunder for the future is these guys are probably around for the long haul, you know, unless they need to be included in a trade that's too good to pass up or whatever. Obviously, Shea, then I think Dort and Baisley. Those are kind mm -hmm. of the three guys that are going to be here for the long haul. I think the other young guys, Dort's definitely, you know, his pedigree coming into the draft was, was much higher than, than Burton's ever was. And he's already shown NBA skills, um, you know, in certain levels that, that Burton never did. Uh, so, yeah, I think those three guys are, are the future. Yeah, those are my three as well of who's who I really care about moving forward uh, that can really make an impact for this team later on. Maybe if Diallo has a has a good start like he did earlier this season, like very early on this season before the injury, but even he's on the fringe still, I would think that your top three guys, of course, are Shade, Dort, and Baisley. Yeah, yeah, and I would actually put him in that order, although Baisley, you know, there, there's so much unknown there. He's so young. And he's so raw in his, his body, his length, and all those things. He's got a lot of skills um, for, for a 19-year-old rookie. Um, so I'm, I'm high on Baisley's future. He's a hard worker. I think that he can really become something. Um, right now, I think Dort is better than he is at this moment. But I think Baisley's ceiling is probably higher if he reaches what he can reach. Um, but yeah, Diallo, I, I want to be excited about him and his athleticism. And of course, his dunking is just off the charts. But so far, he just, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to shoot or do anything really, really well. He's not a great defender. He's not a good shooter. And he doesn't, he just doesn't do anything really well. He's exciting to watch, though. I mean, maybe, maybe. There's potential there, at least. to, to He's worth holding on to to see what happens. You are also going to want to see what Rock Auto can do for you and what happens whenever you go to rockauto.com and find all the parts your car will ever need. With an increasing number of makes and models, it's unrealistic to think 
that your local chain auto parts store will have what you need. You're going to walk in there. You're not going to know what you need. You're not going to know what you want. They're going to upcharge you at a auto parts store or a dealership. They're going to, they're going to just absolutely decimate your wallet, but not at rockauto.com. Because here's the thing. When you go into that dealership, when you go into that auto parts store, all they're going to do is type on their computer, look at you and say, Hey, we've got to order this online. You can be the one ordering it online and not get the upcharge with it. As long as you go to rockauto.com. RockAuto.com has been a family-owned business serving auto parts to their customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto parts and body parts for your amazing cars and amazing trucks. Up to hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers that are manufacturing your car for all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. It's an amazing selection. It's reliably low-priced. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. And so we mentioned what ESPN thought about this team when everyone really thought about this team prior to the year. They get off to a bit of a slow start, and then they really hit the ground running around Thanksgiving and never really look back. For you, when did this team go from a feel-good story uh, to something that's like, wow, we can really kind of achieve the four seed here, or even not out of reach of the three seed? When did this team go from a feel-good story to, okay, it's time to focus in on the playoffs and what's going to happen in the postseason? For me, it happened mid-January. I remember there was a stretch where they won something like 9 of 10 games. I think it was 9 of 10 games, and they beat the Rockets on the road. They beat the Blazers at home. They beat – I remember – who else did they beat in that? The Kings, I remember, on the road at some point, and the Wolves, uh, which, you know, is actually a big deal for the Thunder to beat the Wolves and Andrew Wiggins. But I remember they won 9 of 10, and I remember thinking, wow – this team really could, and then they lost a couple games, and then they won a bunch of games again, like the Nuggets and Spurs. That that January through February stretch run was special. It looked like something that that the top teams do, where they go on a run of a bunch of games where they beat good teams and bad teams, trap games, whatever it may be. And that's when I thought this team, you know, is not only definitely going to make the playoffs and forget about tanking for a for a better draft pick, but maybe they can get up past the eight seed to the six seed, five seed, four seed, who knows? And, you know, that's kind of – it's kind of what happened. Um, it's just been surprising throughout the entire season, but that stretch in January is what really caught my attention. What is the top moment for you this season? Is it the steal in Boston? Is it the Shea 2020-10 game? What would be your top moment memory from this season? Man, those, uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that touchdown pass that Steven Adams threw to Dennis Schroeder with time expiring the entire, across the entire court. It tied up the game, sent it to overtime against the Timberwolves. And then they won in overtime. But that moment, that touchdown pass and reception uh, to beat the clock was just incredible. But yeah, the Shea 2020 or the 2020 uh, triple double from Shea was probably my favorite just because, like I said earlier, to me, Shea is the future. And to see him do that and to kind of get those shades of Russ when he did that and you could see what the future could possibly be, that was probably my favorite game. So with eight games to play in Disney World, uh, you know, your team can get the highest seed that they can possible or they could tank for a draft pick. So 
what, where do you fall on this case? I've always said that if I'm Sam Presti or Billy Donovan, I'm going to Disney World and I'm going to tell the guys, go play basketball. I don't care if you win or lose, just play basketball, get accustomed to the Disney lifestyle, what, what's going to be happening in the postseason. If you lose and we get our pick back, great. If you win, we get a higher seed, great. If I'm, if I'm in that building, I don't care about the, the draft pick or even the seeding. I care about getting accustomed to what is the new normal uh, for this bubble period. On the outside looking in, though, given the fact that the seeds don't matter, and I don't think that they're going to implement any home court changes like, you know, you get, you get seven fouls for one guy or anything like that, I don't think it's actually going to come to fruition. I would say, you know, if you're in a situation where maybe you're down by 10 points late in the game and everyone's, you know, kind of borderline tired or whatever, just go ahead and pull those guys off and get your pick back. Where do you fall on going to Disney World and trying to get that pick back or trying to get the higher seed? That's a great question, but before I answer it, I got to go back to your previous question because when I re-listen to this, when you upload it, it's going to bother me that I didn't give a shout out to Russ's return game to OKC when you talked about my favorite moments. I thought of that afterwards. I was like, how did I not give a, at least a mention to that? That was an incredible, immense moment for the Thunder and Russ. So shout out there. Okay, to answer this question, I think it's a great question because I'm one of those guys that it's really bothering me that the Thunder – don't have their draft pick from this year because I am all about, you know, compiling as many of those first round draft. I'm like Scrooge McDuck with those draft picks. <laughs> I know a lot of people say like, Oh, we got so many, it doesn't matter. But I'm like, no, I want Denver's to be as, as good as it can be as high as it can be. And I want the Thunder to get theirs back. But that said, I think that this season has been special and I want to see what this team can do in the playoffs with this chemistry and how much they surprised all season long. So at this point, I don't care. I want wins and you know, I want to build up that uh, momentum again because the Thunder were, were riding a three game road win streak and that Boston game was incredible. They beat the Celtics on the road the last game by one point buzzer beater. Shea was on the bench. It was maybe their most impressive win of the year so they're coming off a three-game high. I want to get that momentum back. So to me, I say forget about the draft pick, even though I'd love to have it. This is a weak draft anyways. Let's try to get that momentum back and get back to playing like we were. Let's just get as many wins as possible. Yeah, I mean, they won three straight. They were eight, eight and two in their last 10. I mean, this team had momentum. So to get that back would be a huge deal. But for me, it's like I said, just – you know, go get accustomed to Disney World. No, no matter if you win or lose, this season has been icing on the cake. It'll continue to be icing on the cake. I don't care if they go 8-0 or 0-8. I'm going to be happy with what this team turned into. And either you get your, your draft pick or you don't. You mentioned it's a weak draft class. I think at the top end it is. I don't think that there's a lot of Zions that can go and change your, your team or Luca or Ja. I think that really Lamelo's kind of the guy that you look at as maybe he can instill some winning basketball and a winning culture into your team but I do think that this draft has a lot of role players who you're going to look back at and is, is drafted in, with like the you know 17th pick or the 25th pick and, and you look at it and you say oh whoa those guys made a bigger impact on their team than guys drafted in that top five so I think that there are some role players to be had if the Thunder do receive their first round pick but that obviously should not be the priority for fans or for the organization going into Disney World I think that you just you just go out there and play basketball and let the chips fall where they may yeah exactly and and Ultimately, I want to me, I want to try to get to play the Jazz because they're they're down Bojan, which is a, a big loss for them. Or you want to play, you know, the Mavs if, if at all possible. 
you want to avoid the Clippers at all costs. You'd like to avoid the Nuggets if you could, and maybe the Rockets. So to me, the higher the draft or the higher the seed, the better. But it's a win-win ultimately because if the Thunder win a lot, then they'll get a higher seed, a better first-round matchup. And if they end up losing a lot and they get their first-round draft pick back, that's great because they're still in the playoffs. It's still going to be fun. It's still a successful season based on expectations. And you still get two first-round draft picks, yours and the Nuggets. So it's a win-win either way. The worst-case scenario, what you don't want to see happen, is they win enough to where they don't get the first-round draft pick back, but they lose enough to where you know they fall down to the, to the sixth seed or the seventh seed, and they end up having to play – you know, if they fall to the seventh seed, they should get the first round draft pick back. Some things could happen, but uh, you don't want to be in that middle zone where you don't get your first round draft pick back, and you still got to play a tough team in the in the first round. That would that would be a bummer. Yeah, like you said, it depends a lot on what Philadelphia does and teams like that. So you can't control your own fate anyway. You might as well just go play basketball, and if you win, that's awesome. So that's yep. what I think it falls on. Yep, I agree. I agree. Just just win, uh, like Al Davis used to say. Just go and win, baby. As we sit right now, we don't have a concrete schedule yet, but there's a lot of reports of it's just going to move on down the line of who you would have played. So, for example, the Thunder would just start in Orlando against Utah, which would be pretty awesome. Uh, but who do you want Oklahoma City to play? Because I think that we both agree we're desperately wanting Utah. Uh, but who do you think that they will play realistically once we play out these eight games? I think it's tough because, it, you know, those seeds, three through seven, are so close. So many things could happen from three to seven and everybody's playing each other. So it's so hard to guess. Uh, but then you kind of think, well, that kind of evens the playing field. You would think that Utah would fall some, unfortunately for the thunder. Um, I just have a bad feeling. And maybe this is just my own, you know, worries that the thunder are going to play the, the rockets, the first round. I just don't want to see that because I, I want, you know, the Thunder to win the first round. But I would like to see Russ have success as well. Plus, I just don't want to see any sort of heated, you know, whatever between between those two things. I'm, you know, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Ultimately, I want to see <laughs> I want to see Russ be happy. I want the Thunder to do well. Um, so I don't know. Who who are they gonna play? I, I think that they're not gonna play the Mavs. I don't think that the math will work out that way. Um, I don't think they'll fall so low as to play the Clippers. So I think they end up either playing the Jazz, Rockets, or Nuggets. So for me, I'm going to say that the Jazz dropped to seven after this just decimating injury. I think that everyone else moves up. So the Thunder go to four, the Rockets go to five, the Mavs go to six. And I honestly like the Rockets matchup. The only thing I don't like about it is that we don't get it in Houston and Oklahoma City, respectively. I don't like that it's in the bubble. But honestly, I'm not scared to play the Rockets. I think that We've seen Russell Westbrook get you know, too emotional and too far ahead of himself in playoff series. I don't like their small ball lineup. I think that the Thunder have a good chance to beat them in the first round. I would, give, I would rank these opponents as the Jazz as the, the most likely to win, and then you get 2A, 2B between Houston and Dallas because with Dallas, you do have the star power of Luka and KP, but they've struggled a ton in clutch time. So if you can get them to the clutch moments – Oklahoma City has thrived in that area, while Dallas has collapsed in that area. So that would push Dallas further down there. But with Houston, there's so many questions that I don't, I don't fear playing Houston personally. Uh, I think that the only downside of that is, again, it's just not happening in Oklahoma City and Houston. That would be really fun. I completely agree with, with everything you said, honestly. I, I think that the Thunder in a series would be 
all of the above, the Jazz, the Rockets, and the Mavs, to be quite honest. And I might even say that the Rockets would be the team I'd be second most um, positive about them beating because, like you said, you know, the star power of Luka and, and Porzingis, but, but even more so, you know, I know that the, the Rockets had some success playing P.J. Tucker at center there for a little bit, but they struggled a lot too once teams kind of figured it out. And the Thunder are set at, at center with Adams and Noel, and they can throw so many big guys, and, and Gallo creates so many mismatches. And the Thunder have had a lot of success against the Rockets this year. I think that the, uh, the Thunder would beat the Rockets in a series. So I don't fear them either. I just don't, you know, I'd like to see, I don't want to see all the crap Russ is going to get if he loses in the first round again. Um, so that's just me as a, as a guy who's still supporting Russ as well. But ultimately, I want what's best for the Thunder because I'm a bigger Thunder fan than I am a Russ fan, obviously. So, uh, you know, if the Thunder play the Rockets, I think they'll win and I'll, I'll be really pumped about it. But like you said, We'll miss out so much on on so much excitement and drama if it would have been uh, in in OKC in Houston, though. How how do you feel about the Rockets in general, though? Because I I see a lot of people saying, "Wow, this time off for them really helps." Because after they went small, then they got fatigued faster. They didn't have the depth and things like that. We're still gonna play eight games in sixteen days before the playoffs. They still don't have any depth they're going to be fatigued again after these eight games. I, I think that, you know, with that, you get the training camp here to kind of get guys into D'Antoni shape and, and, you know, playing that, that pace and space, that seven seconds or less offense. I think that that helps them. But I still do worry about that depth because we're going to play eight games in 16 days and then move right into the postseason. Yeah, I, I just don't think, to me, I know a lot of people did say it was fatigue and, and depth, and, and I get that. And there's, there's some truth in that. But I think ultimately – when they play a team that, that's got bigs that can score or bigs that can defend, I just don't see – they rely so much on three-point shooting. And honestly, their guys right now are pretty inconsistent from long range. I just don't think it's an issue of fatigue and depth. I think it's a, an issue of they're missing Capella more than they thought that they were going to miss Capella. So I think they're in trouble, quite honestly. And so we've covered playing Utah. We think that that's going to be an easy matchup. And we know Oklahoma City has been snake bitten by that phrase before in the last two years. Uh, but And the Rockets. And with the Mavericks, I think, I think it's as simple as if they do get to play the Mavericks, it's clutch time versus clutch time. And this team in Oklahoma City has been phenomenal. Dallas has been atrocious. And I, I think that that's the bottom line with that series. How do you feel about Denver? Because you saw in the first round last year, the dying Spurs pushed them to seven games. I don't have this stricken fear of playing Denver like some people might. Now, it's not going to be an easy series. I'm not going to go that far. But it's going to be something, it's going to be something that the Thunder can achieve if, and they can knock off Denver in the first round. Yeah, the Thunder beat the Nuggets the last time they played, and it was by double digits, if I remember correctly. And that wasn't that long before the season you know, was interrupted. Uh, the Thunder have struggled against Denver the last couple of years. But this is a different Thunder team. That, that fear that's instilled by the Nuggets, I don't think Thunder fans need to be as afraid of this Denver team because this Thunder team has shooting and spacing, something that the past Thunder teams lacked, and that's big against these Nuggets. And, and I know that Jokic you know, kind of schools everybody and Adams has struggled against him, but I still would rather have Adams and Noel go up against him than the most any other team, what they have to throw against Jokic. So I, I do think 
there's a lot to be said for what you said, that they struggled last year in the playoffs. This team hasn't achieved playoff success. This Thunder team has vets like Chris Paul and Gallo, guys who have been there. I, I, I think a Nuggets OK series would be a legitimate toss-up. I know that the Nuggets are the higher seed, but it's not by that much. And I like Chris Paul leading a playoff team more than I like Jokic leading a playoff team. Um, I think that's a legit toss-up. I think that could go either way. And you even look at Shea. I mean, he's not a veteran, but last year as an eight-seed Clippers team going up against the powerhouse Warriors, he held his own and played very well in that postseason. Now put him in a situation where he has a little bit more offensive talent around him. He has Chris Paul. And you, you think that he's going to perform well this postseason. So I yeah, think this team I, does have the firepower. Yeah, the team does have the firepower. That's the thing. This team, their top six players, you can put against pretty much any other team's top six players. Once you get past, you know, Chris Paul, Shea, Gallo, Schroeder, Adams, and Noel, you know, it's kind of – I like Dort a lot, but in the playoffs he's kind of an unknown, unknown, obviously. But I still like him as a positive player. But then you get to rotation guys like Nader or Ferguson or Baisley, and then you got some question marks. But the top-end talent is so good that I think that they're going to be a problem for any uh, team in the playoffs because you're get, the, the rotation shortened. So those, those top six or seven guys are going to play more minutes. That's an advantage thunder. And like you said, Shea, his play raises, uh, rises in, in big moments, and so does Chris Paul's, Gallows, Truders, throughout this whole season. And like you said, Shea was a star in the playoffs last year against the number one seed Warriors. He was probably their best player in those playoffs last year as a rookie. I can't wait to see what he does in the playoffs this year. I think he'll step up to the occasion. And you even mentioned Dort. I mean, do rookies perform better in this bubble-style atmosphere where you're only focusing on basketball? You don't have the travel and the outside noise of a regular postseason. That's to be determined. But I want to ask you how far this Thunder team can go because as exciting as this is, and I think that you put them in any first-round matchup that does not have an L.A. team with them, that they can move on to the second round, I think that the expectation level and the ceiling on this team is a second round. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I think that any team outside of the Lakers or the Clippers, the Thunder can beat. I would say I would favor them in almost any matchup, except for, like you said, or like I said, uh, that Nuggets, I think that's a toss-up, but they can win that. Um, but they're going to have to play one of the two, the Clippers or the Lakers in the second round. And I think that they'll give them, either one of them, a tough series, a competitive series that ultimately goes to – to probably six games um, against either of those teams. But considering what everyone thought this team was going to be this season, that they'd be one of the worst teams in the league or that they'd be a tanking team, rebuilding, trading off pieces, whatever you thought, if they make it to the second round, something a Thunder team hasn't done since 2016, and then take either the Lakers with LeBron and Davis or the Clippers with Kawhi and George – to to six games that is an incredible accomplishment so neither one of us expects them to be an la team obviously i think that like you said we both agree that the, that they're going to push la to at least six maybe even seven games but if you had to bet on this thunder team to knock off an la team who gives you the best matchup and who gives you the best chance to beat in that second round now, obviously they're not going to be favored and we would never predict them to beat an la team 
But if you had to pick the best possible matchup, who are you going with? Uh, I might go with the Lakers just because Anthony Davis might get hurt at any point. That's not to like rag on him or anything, but just like looking at the history, um, you know, that could happen. I wouldn't want that to happen, but um, I think I would still go with the Lakers just because the Clippers are so deep. You know, they've got, they've got so much talent, you know, one through almost 10 on that team. They've got top end talent. Uh, They just haven't been healthy all year. So I guess you could say the same thing on the other side. Uh, if both teams are fully healthy, though, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think the Clippers are actually better um, if both teams are fully healthy. So I would that, – that said, though, it's just like the thought of knocking off LeBron and Anthony Davis just seems outrageous. Uh, so I'm almost walking back my statement mid-statement, but I, I'm going to stick to it. I think just because of depth purposes, uh, I'd give them a better chance against the Lakers. Yeah, I think for the depth of it, you do go Lakers. I think that the Clippers create such mismatches for the Thunder that I don't want to play them. The only thing with the Clippers, as you said with AD, on the flip side, we've seen Paul George fall apart in the postseason. So maybe that happens with with the Clippers. But even so, they have such depth and the ability to create mismatches that I would not want to see the Clippers. Now, again, disclaimer on the front end and back end, neither one of us think – that the Thunder will beat an L.A. team. But just moving on to that second round, if you had to pick the best matchup, we both agree the best matchup is the Lakers. Yes, absolutely. I, I really do think that. I mean, the, the Clippers, I mean, we haven't even talked about, you know, because the season ended, but the Clippers just picked up Reggie Jackson. I mean, he's probably like their 10th best player now, which is, you know, I'm not a Reggie fan, obviously, with what happened in, in OKC. But if, if he's like your third point guard and your 10th best player, I mean, you've got some serious depth. Kawhi, Paul George, uh, Harold, Lou, Beverly, Reggie Jackson. Um, a Morris uh, twin. Mor- Morris, yes. Uh, Shemay, Jermichael Green, Zubak. I mean, they, they're just loaded. Patrick Patterson, uh, I'll just throw him in just, just <laughs> because. Uh, but they're just loaded. One through like 12, they're loaded. It's nuts. So you've been so gracious with your time. I want to ask you one more question. Are you expecting moving into this offseason? I know it's going to be a much more condensed and jam-packed offseason. Are you expecting a full-on rebuild where you trade away Chris Paul, you trade away other assets on this team, or do you think that Oklahoma City will continue to try and contend and grow this team, maybe run it back, or maybe even improve this team in the offseason? It's so tough, but here's the deal. Like, like I've talked about, I think that the Thunder have been thriving because their top-end talent, you know, that one through six has been so good. And I think if you lose one or two of those pieces, all of a sudden that success takes a big hit because they can't afford to lose, I don't think, any of those guys. I think you'd see a big hit in the success and wins if they lost even one of Schroeder or Paul or Gallo. And I think chances are, as much as I'd love to see Gallinari back, and I actually had him on, on my podcast, and he said he'd love to be back. And I think the, you know, that's a possibility for sure, but I think the most likely thing is, is a sign-and-trade with Gallo. And if you lose Gallo, you lose so much of your scoring and balance and shooting and, and spacing. And I think that they would – it would be probably – irresponsible not to trade off Schroeder when his, his value is so high. Um, even though I'd love to keep him, look, I'd love to see this team continue to, to be successful and to be in the playoffs over the next few years. But when it gets down to it, Paul Gallo and probably Schroeder aren't long-term guys here and probably Noel. So if you can get 
young players, young assets, first round draft picks. If you're Presti, you probably want to do that so you can have another contender here around Shea and maybe Adams in the next couple of years, few years. So I expect them to trade. Uh, I, I expect them to trade probably, say, Schroeder, if they get a really good deal for Chris Paul where you you get rid of that $40 million contract and you get back a first-round draft pick from the Knicks or maybe a, a young player from another team that you like. And I think that Gallo will be signed and traded. So I think that it'll be more of a rebuild this year, uh, this coming off season. Brandon, this has been awesome. I appreciate your time. And I hope that we can have you back on as we look forward to that off season after we get this Orlando period over. But where can they find your work, all the things that you do with Daily Thunder, your podcast, even your new debate show, which I love. Where can they find all that stuff? Hey, man, I appreciate you uh, saying so and having me on the show. Uh, I enjoy the work you do as well. I got to give you a shout out as well. Uh, but yeah, my you can find me dailythunder.com um, is, is the website. And then I'm on Twitter. It's just at Brandon Rabar, which is R-A-H-B-A-R. And that's where I have the cross bolts, which is the daily debate that I have with, with my colleague, Olivia Punchall. And we just, every single day on Twitter, we will basically debate a Thunder topic. Who's the second best player who uh, which Thunder players are returning next season uh, Russ or Chris Paul who's better we, we do a daily topic every day and discuss it so I'd love for you to check us out on Twitter and the debate show has been awesome every single day especially considering the fact that there's no basketball right now so it's going to get even better once basketball returns again Brennan thank you so much for your time yeah I appreciate you having me buddy it's been fun be good and be good to one another we'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder 